Good morning. Amen. Did you guys wake up feeling holy this morning? <laughs> Me neither. Uh, well, that's what the Scripture says. The just shall live by faith. And uh, justified means declared righteous. And it says that we take that by faith. Amen. I can honestly say that I don't think I've ever woke up on any day feeling holy. I've never really felt holy. But I believe I am. When the Scripture says in Peter to be holy as I am holy, be you holy, for the Lord is holy, it's Him offering us His holiness. If I told you to be fed, then you would expect the one saying, be fed, to feed you. It's the same when the Lord said, be holy. He's actually offering us to partake in something. And that something is His holiness. I've never felt super spiritual. <laughs> Lecrae has a song. He's a Christian rapper. In this song, he says, if you're speaking in tongues, get a translator. And he says that if you're flaking on me, go ahead and let it snow. I got plans later. <laughs> he's just saying, get it over with because I got stuff I got to do. <laughs> We're interested in the genuine, not the facade that Christianity has put on to try to sell itself. We're not prostitutes for the gospel. We're not trying to sell ourselves. We carry the best product, and the product sells itself. It really does. Amen. It's living water. It's living bread. That if a man eats of it, he'll never die. It's the gospel message that we carry. And it's the gospel of grace that has set our hearts free to where we're standing in a place of peace now. Where before, in religion and the way that we were trained, we always felt like we were at enmity with God. We always felt disqualified because we were trying to find our qualification in ourself. The one who qualifies us gives us the qualification. He gives it to us freely. When God sent Jesus, He just didn't give us an act. He gave us a person. And that person did act. And when He acted, it was on our behalf so that we could stand holy and blameless before Him as children. Not afraid of our Father, but in love with Him. And that's why it would say in Romans chapter 5, verse 8, that God demonstrated His love in this, that while we were yet sinners, the demonstration of God's love, it's the picture of it. And it says that the picture that God painted of how much He loves us was shown in Christ. And it says that while we were yet sinners, while we were yet sinners, God showed how much He loves us. And it's like when we come into Christianity, we try to earn the love of God. But you couldn't earn the love of God when you was a sinner. You had to receive it in order to become a child. But the moment that you became a child, you don't earn the love. He loved us with all of Him from the beginning. God never loved us in part. He loved us in whole as sinners. He saved us as sinners. He didn't save us when everything was going good, when we had a reason to boast. I still don't have a reason to boast. That's why I said I never wake up feeling holy. I don't. I know I'm holy because the just shall live by faith. And it says that if a man hopes for something, if it's seen, it's not actually hope because you can't have hope for something that you already see. You have to receive it by faith. Your faith? No. The faith of the Son of God. Faith in the Son of God. Faith in His sacrifice. That His sacrifice was enough to make you holy. 
Because if God don't accept Jesus' sacrifice for you, like I said before, yours won't work. It won't. That's why the blood of Jesus had to cleanse us forever. It says that the blood of Jesus has perfected those forever who put their trust in Him. That right now, I am perfect in the eyes of the Father, not because of my own blood and my own sweat, but because of Jesus' blood and sweat. He went to the cross so I didn't have to. And we've all heard it taught before, well, you've got to pick up your cross and follow God. Anyone who doesn't pick up his cross and follow me isn't worthy of me. So all of a sudden, we're trying to crucify ourselves for the gospel because we don't have the comprehension in what Jesus was actually saying when he was telling you to pick up your cross. Why was Jesus crucified? Because he said he was the son of God. Why will you be crucified? Because you say the same thing. Picking up your cross is not some religious ceremony that you do to afflict yourself in order to become holy with God. It doesn't work like that. When we pick up our cross, we're literally saying the same thing Jesus said. He is the Son of God. That's my cross because that was His cross. And that cross will never leave. When Peter gave him the great confession that you're the Messiah, the Christ, the Son of the living God, he said, upon this truth will I build my church. I'll build my church and the gates of hell will not be able to prevail against it. The gates of hell won't be able to prevail against his church. Amen. And here you are, not a building, but a body. A body that God left in this earth that he called his church. And as part of the body, you as an individual playing your own role in the body of Christ, have a promise that hell will not prevail against your life. Amen. It's true. The message is actually entitled, Never. Like Mark said this morning, never say never. I said, no, we're trying to get people to say never. Because God said, I'll never leave you, never forsake you. We say never. (laughs) Mark was just playing, but... (laughs) My opening scriptures are going to be in Hebrews chapter 13, verse 5. It says, Let your conversation be without covetousness, and be content with such things as you have. For he has said, I will never leave you or forsake you, so that we may boldly say, The Lord is my helper, and I will not fear what man shall do to me. What I want us to see in this is that it says that to be content with such things as you have. For he has said, I will never leave you or forsake you. And then it says, so that you may boldly say. Why can we boldly say? It's just found in the previous verse. Because he said, I'll never leave you or forsake you. That's why we can say is because he said. Not just say it, but he said we can boldly say it. It's a proclamation. It actually goes forth with power. When you say something boldly, you put an emphasis of power in it because it's directed towards something. And it says, so that we can boldly say, the Lord is my helper, and I will not fear what man shall do unto me. When I looked up that word never, the whole reason the message this morning is entitled never is because when I looked up the word never, it's actually like Mark was saying, that's a double negative, you know, and it's the word ume. And this is what it means. Not at all, anymore, at all, by no means, neither, never, no, in no case, nor ever, not at all, in any wise. And after looking that up, I was like, wow, Lord, never really means never. (laughs) 
in no case for any reason at all. Never. So that we can boldly say, the Lord is my helper. Because He will never leave us, He'll never forsake us. Our expectation is for God to help us. Because He'll never leave us. For God to be against you as a Christian would actually mean that He would have to oppose His self. Because once you become a Christian, you're sealed with His Spirit. And the Scripture says that he who belongs to the Lord is one Spirit with Him. God is never in opposition to us. He's always in opposition to the things that oppose us. That's why He was so vehemently against sin is because sin was against us. Because sin, like Joseph Prince says, it'll take you further than you want to go, keep you longer than you were willing to stay, and you'll pay more than you were ever willing to pay. It's the price of sin. It's the cost of sin. Sin's price was so heavy that the only person that could pay it, that could actually pay that debt, was God Himself. God Himself was the only one who could pay sin's debt. The only one. And as a Christian, your spirit cannot be defiled by you. Because then you would have to defile God. Can you defile God? No, you can't. Can sin cost you something? Yes, it can. But not in your spirit. That's the thing. You can't lose your salvation. You've been sealed. Never does really mean never, right? We all know people who were serving God and striving at one time to please God. And they're no longer there. Are they unsaved? Does never mean never. Never means never. What people confuse is that sin does cost you something in the flesh, but it cost Jesus His flesh so that it couldn't cost your spirit. Can I do things that will destroy my marriage and bring death to certain part of my marriage? Yeah. Could I have me and Mark be friends and I sin against Him and bring death to our friendship? Yeah. Yeah. It'll never happen, but yeah. Will it cost me my relationship with God? No. Who's going to help me out of it? I can't even help myself if God's against me. Might as well just give up now, pack up and just say, hey, let's eat and drink for tomorrow we die. If God's against you, where are you going to find help? You can call your mama? Huh? Seriously. Go ask your daddy for some help? Against God? No. But the Scripture says, if God be for us, then who can be against us? And the truth is, is that God is for us. And by the way, I wasn't disagreeing with Joseph Prince at all. I wasn't. Not at all. Sin can take you to certain places. But sin can't keep you. Because the Scripture says that sin shall no longer have dominion over you. That means you can get up and leave at any time. But the enemy would try to sell you a lie that this is you. And if you believe it's you, how are you going to leave yourself? I've tried. Like, man, I just want to get out of here. That's how people commit suicide. Look, just looking for a way out. When God has given us a way in, 
<laughs> He's given us a way in. He's never been mad at us. He's not angry now. Like I said another time, God's actually in a good mood. He is. He's not angry at humanity. If He was angry at humanity, Jesus would have never came. Never. But God has always loved us. The Scripture says that He's loved us with an everlasting love. It says that He'll never leave us or forsake us so that we can boldly say, the Lord is my helper. Me and Heather were talking one day about the fellow Christian that we both admire and we both you know, respect and they're a little legalistic. Made some wrong choices. Heather said, God is really going to fight for them. And when she said it, it just like it hit my spirit because it was the heart of God. That God would actually fight for us. If He would die for us, why do we think that He wouldn't fight for us? We're the most valuable thing to Him. When God counts His riches, He doesn't do it in galaxies or stars. He does it in souls. And right now, we're making God very rich. We are. We're making God very rich. See, He owned the cattle on the thousand hills, but He didn't own all the people on the thousand hills. He wasn't looking for slavery. He was looking for sons. Mankind was taken from God illegally. It would be like somebody coming into my house and taking my kids from me illegally. And there's nothing I can do but sit and watch. Oh my goodness. It would tear me up as a father. As I assume it would you if you've had children. And even if you haven't, you can understand if you've ever been close to somebody. To watch somebody come in your own house and take your kids from you and there's nothing you can do about it. Was God grieved with Adam? I'd say no. He wasn't grieved with Adam. Was he angry with Adam? You know the first sacrifice that ever took place? The Bible says that God killed the animal and made them clothes from the skin. They didn't know what a blood sacrifice was. What was going to cover their sin? Because they were supposed to die right that moment. And we know they died spiritually. Do you make clothes for somebody you're mad with? He had to kick him out of the garden. It was the hardest thing he ever did. He watched one son die. And it still wasn't done. He had to go on to see another son die so that the first son could live. That's how much he loves humanity. That's why he's always against the stuff that is against us. But as far as God talking about the Lord fighting for us, I want to read this out of Exodus. Exodus chapter 14, verse 13. It says, And Moses said unto the people, Don't be afraid. Stand still and see the salvation of the Lord, which He will show to you this day. For the Egyptians, who you have seen today, you shall see them again no more forever. And then listen to verse 14. The Lord shall fight for you, and you shall hold your peace. I'm going to read that again because it's just so good. And Moses said unto the people, Fear not. Stand still and see the salvation of the Lord, which He will show to you this day. For the Egyptians whom you have seen today, you shall see them again no more forever. The Lord shall fight for you, and you shall hold your peace. The Egyptians represent bondage. They represent a time 
in the children of Israel's history that the children of Israel were held in bondage to slavery. God is saying here, and I honestly believe this is how He gave it to me this morning. God is actually breathing on these Scriptures with His Spirit for us right now. And He's saying that the things that held you in bondage, He's saying that you will see them no more. And He's saying because I will fight for you. You belong to Him. You are His. He'll never leave you or forsake you. If you sit and meditate just for a couple minutes in your day that God really is with you, it'll become a stronger reality. If you sit there and remind yourself that the God of all creation is with me right now, He's not only in me, but He's with me. He's on me. He's all around me. He'll never leave me or forsake me so that I can boldly say, the Lord is my helper. The Holy Spirit, Jesus called Him the helper. When the Spirit of truth comes, He said that He'll take of mine and show it unto you. He said, for all things that I receive from the Father, I give to you or I make known to you. All things. All things are yours. Ain't that what the Scripture says? Apollos, Paul, Cephas, Christ. He said they're all yours. He said that we're yours. God has given everything in His ability to you just to show how much He loves you. Never really does mean never. You will never be separated from the love of God. Your spirit is eternally secure right now. I've never known a born-again Christian. I've never known someone who I could look at and say, man, you're born again. My spirit bears witness that your spirit is born again. Uh, like I was told Jamie when we were talking about this, I told him real, recognize real. It's just a stupid saying, but <laughs> you just recognize the authentic in somebody else and you can see it. I remember one day when I was working, there was this guy who was working installing cable and as he walked past, I said, you're a Christian, aren't you? Or he said, you're a Christian, aren't you? And I said, yeah, I am. And I looked at him, I said, you are too, ain't you? And he said, oh yeah, you just know it. I mean, if I passed my brother on the street at for sure, I would know he was my brother. <laughs> I would. I would know he was my brother. Because there's something about a Christian who is authentically desiring that relationship with God that you can see it on them. There's a humility that comes along with this. Because the Scripture says that God opposes the proud but gives grace to the humble. Humility is not belittling yourself. Humility is full dependence upon God and not yourself. That's what true humility is. We can boldly say He's our helper because He'll never leave us. And if you know that God will never leave you, and if you know, like the Scripture says, to set your eyes on things which are eternal, and then He says, for the things which are temporal are all subject to change. When you know that every circumstance that you're going through is subject to change because you have an eternal perspective, you stop living in the moment. So I was telling my cousin Jesse, I said, some people have a year plan, a five-year plan, a ten-year plan. I said, but what if we as Christians had an eternal plan where we look like everything that we do will impact eternity? The reward that Jesus gets 
It's going to be based upon what we do with what He gives us. Does that put pressure on you? It doesn't to me. Because not only did He give it to me, He's the one that's going to help me do it. Because without Him, what can I do? I mean, you're talking about for eternity. You're talking about people's spirits. And without Him, I'm a natural man. I can only see in the natural. I can only act in the natural. Me, personally, without the Spirit of God inside of me, I can't help you spiritually. I can't help you spiritually. But once I have the Spirit of God, the Scripture says that the Spirit of God searches the deep things of God. And all of a sudden, the Spirit inside of me is searching into the deep things of God to make Him known to me so I can make Him known to you. Amen. I love that in Exodus. Because people think, well, yeah, Steve, God said that to Moses. (laughs) This guy's not too bright. (laughs) But doesn't the Scripture say that all the promises of God and Christ are yes and amen. Is that a promise of God? When he's talking to the children of Israel and to Moses and said, say goodbye to these Egyptians that you see today because you'll never see them again. And if Egypt represents a bondage that was holding God's people captive, that's a promise for you today. Egypt is a form of bondage. All the promises of God and Christ are yes and amen. Is that a promise of God? One more time. Are you in Christ? Say amen. 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 Because you are in Christ. I want to read this out of Ephesians chapter 1, starting verse 5. We're going to read all the way to uh, verse 23. It says, listen, having predestinated us unto the adoption of children by Jesus Christ to himself, according to the good pleasure of his will, to the praise of the glory of his grace, wherein He has made us accepted in the Beloved. He has made us accepted. We've never made ourselves accepted. God predestinated us in Christ and He made us accepted in the Beloved. And then listen to what it says. In whom we have redemption through His blood, the forgiveness of sins, according to the riches of His grace, wherein He has abounded towards us in all wisdom and prudence, having made known unto us the mystery of His will, according to His good pleasure, listen to what it says, which He has purposed in Himself, that in the dispensation of the fullness of time He might gather together in one all things in Christ, both which are in heaven and which are on earth, even in Him, in whom also we have obtained an inheritance, being predestinated, according to the purpose of Him who works all things after the counsel of His own will. Do you see how many times it's saying, it's pointing to God and saying that He did this? I'm going to read 11 again. In whom also we have obtained an inheritance, being predestinated according to the purpose of Him who works all things after the counsel of His own will, that we should be to the praise of His glory. Right now, you are to the praise of His glory. God rejoices over you with singing, the Scripture says. You are to the praise of His glory. When the angels look down from heaven, they say, glory to God for what He did. 
You're the praise of His glory. When other men see your lives, they glorify God on your behalf, even if they don't believe in God. There's something different about a Christian who's not walking around in insecurity and loss of identity, who knows who they are. I'm not an insecure person by nature. I can get mad and just roll over, go to bed. You know, if somebody's saying something bad about me, I don't think twice about it. Like, I'm not insecure inside myself. I've never have been. Like, even before I was saved. I don't know if it's a gift or not, because sometimes I can just say I don't care. (laughs) And it's not a gift, because I should be caring. (laughs) But honestly, when we wake up to our identity, and somebody else who used to have control over us to make us angry, or to make us do other stuff, when they lose that control and you're no longer affected by somebody else's spirit because you have the only spirit that really matters, which is the Spirit of God living inside of you. And that spirit is greater than the other spirit and someone else trying to come against you. That's why I hate it when I get angry and I want to lose my temper. And yeah, I still get that. I was telling Val and Mark, I probably, well, I probably shouldn't say it, but I'm going to anyway. We can edit it. (laughs) You guys are family, right? (laughs) But I'm at the gym probably three weeks ago. And you know, if you know me personally, you know that I'm a very nice guy. I try to stay very humble, say hi to people. How you doing? If you need something, I'm trying to help you. Well, this guy was there and he was acting like a tough guy. You know, and it was actually irritating me. And these words kept coming to me over and over and over again to say to him because my outward appearance is very soft-spoken. I had a guy at the gym tell me, well, you guys have probably never been in trouble, me and this other guy named Rick, because we're just so tender-hearted because of what the Lord's did, not because of us. But these words kept coming to me to say to this guy, don't mistake my personality because I will beat the life out of you while I smile. Honestly, those words kept going over and over and over again in my head. And I knew better than to say them because I knew where they were coming from. They weren't coming from my spirit. My spirit's born again. They weren't coming from the Spirit of God. God don't think like that. But guess where they were coming from? They were coming from His Spirit. And I was telling my cousin Jamie, you know what the crazy thing is about it? Like when the devil brings suggestions to my mind, You know, like even when I get angry, it's not cussing. Because I would automatically know I don't talk like that. I never think like that. So if he can try to push that button that used to irritate you, he'll do it. He'll do it over and over and over again. But what happens when Satan comes and pushes a button that's no longer there? He just lost all his power. He has no power over your spirit anymore. Because your spirit's not subject to somebody else's spirit. It's subject to the spirit that's above every spirit. And that's the spirit of God. Because the spirit of God lives in you. Because he said, I'll never leave you and I'll never forsake you. Never leave you, never forsake you. Never. So that we can boldly say, God is my helper. Like even the super spiritual stuff that people do turns me off. Like... It does. I don't know. That's, that's why I said about Lecrae, you know, if you're flaking on me, go ahead and let us know. i got plans later. You know, get it over with. <laughs> Just because I don't like that. Because there's authenticity of the Spirit that when it hits, it may be strange, but it's meaningful. 
It's powerful. And there's a difference from someone who is operating in the Spirit of God than someone trying to manifest the Spirit of God. We're not trying to manifest the Spirit of God. If you walk in the Spirit, that means you're in it. It means you're in the Spirit. Okay, we're going to pick up in uh, verse 12. That we should be to the praise of His glory who first trusted in Christ and whom after you trusted, after that you heard the word of truth, the gospel of your salvation, and whom also after that you believed you were sealed with that Holy Spirit of promise, which is the earnestness of our inheritance unto the redemption of the purchased possession. It's the down payment. Then it says again, unto the praise of his glory. Wherefore I also, after that I heard of your faith in the Lord Jesus, and love unto all the saints, Cease not to give thanks for you, making mention of you in my prayers. The Apostle Paul is actually giving God glory when he heard of the faith that was in them. And then listen to what he says, because he said, mentioning you in my prayer. This is the whole reason I read everything. It says that the God of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of glory, may give unto you the spirit of wisdom and revelation in the knowledge of him, the eyes of your understanding being enlightened, that you may know what is the hope of his calling and what is the riches of his glory, of his inheritance in the saints. <laughs> Did you just hear that? And what is the riches of the glory of his inheritance in the saints? What did I just say that when God counts, his wealth, he counts them in souls. And what the riches of the glory of his inheritance in the saints. God reaped what he thought was the best harvest. He did. The best harvest. Okay, here we go. What is the riches of the glory of his inheritance in the saints? And listen to this. And what is the exceeding greatness of His power towards us who believe according to the working of His mighty power, which He worked in Christ when He raised Him from the dead and set Him at His own right hand in heavenly places. Did you get that? Because I've read over it for years and missed it. He says, And what is the exceeding greatness of His power in us who believe, and then he says the same power that he used to raise Christ from the dead. The Scripture just said that the same power, it says mighty power. Have you guys ever heard the song when God rolled up his sleeve like he was putting on the Ritz? Our God is an awesome God. It took the mighty power of God to raise Jesus from the dead. The mighty power. It wasn't a momentary power. It was the mighty power. It took His might to raise Jesus from the dead because when He rose Jesus from the dead, He rose you too. Amen. Amen. And that same power that He used inside of Christ to raise Him from the dead is found in us. That same power that raised Jesus from the dead is the same power that He was talking about that we were sealed with. That Holy Spirit against the day of promise, which means that you have Him in here all the way to heaven. Because He said, I'll never leave you or forsake you. 
Never. And we discuss never really does mean never. That same power is inside of us. The question then becomes, why don't we see that power displayed in our everyday life? Do you know that if God was to release all of his power inside of you at one time, you would die? Do you know Moses as a natural man couldn't even look at the face of the father and live? Because God's glory so radiantly coming from him would kill a man? That glory he has deposited inside of you. And the scripture says that we grow up into these things. You can't handle it as an infant. I'm not going to hand Faith a loaded shotgun and say, let's go hunting. I'm going to get shot myself or she's going to kill somebody else or shoot herself. It's just the way it is. If I took her hunting, the thing that I would do is I would train her. I would have to teach her bit by bit by bit to ensure that when the power is released, she'll be able to handle what is put in her hands. That's what God does with us. That's why Peter would say everything that we need that pertains to life and godliness, we already have. And then he says, but it's through the knowledge of him who's called us to glory and virtue. You have the fullness of the Spirit inside of you now. It's not about getting more of the Spirit. Acts chapter 2 and Acts chapter 4 really mess my theology up. (laughs) But I have this confidence that I have the fullness of God inside of me now. And if He comes and touches me, He's just touching His fullness inside of me again. It's Him coming and touching fullness. I'm not deplete. (laughs) If He comes and touches me, He touches the fullness that is already inside of me which he deposited there, himself. That spirit that was placed inside of you, it had enough power because it's been saturated with the blood of Jesus to instantly raise your spirit from a dead state into a living state. And that's why I said sin cannot kill your spirit. We think it can is because we see the consequences of it in life. But as far as the spirit goes, You are alive unto God and you're dead to sin. And we can take that promise in Exodus chapter 14 and we can run with it. The things that hold me in bondage today, tomorrow, I will see their face no more. For the Lord my God will fight for me. And He'll fight for you. Amen. He'll never leave us or forsake us. So we can boldly say, confidently, expectantly, Say that the Lord is my helper. Why would I ever be afraid of men? Or what man can do? Or what the world can manufacture? Or my circumstances? Circumstances change. 2,000 years later, we found out that this never has. The Word of God has never changed. It's saving people with the same power as when Peter stood up on the day of Pentecost and said, you children of Israel, listen to me. We stand up and we say 2,000 years later in the same place as Peter, a child of God who's been entrusted with the Spirit of God, who's qualified to speak the Word of God because they've been called by God. We stand in the same place and say, you children of Kenosha, wherever you are, you know, listen to me. There's a quote by Smith Wigglesworth. It's not a quote, it's just a... He says that, What I carry 
will not leave a man where I found him. (laughs) Because a man carried the precious substance of God, I'm no longer where that man found me. I'm right beside him now. Ever since that day to this day, I've never woke up feeling holy. (laughs) But you are holy. And it's not based upon the way that you feel. Because all your feelings are subject to change. But like I said, the Word of God never changes. And the Word of God today, from the moment you accepted it, it still calls you holy from that day to this day. And from this day to eternity. Amen?